0: check good morning where we came from church itself the whole service didn't start till about 11:30, so they would get done at one so oftentimes I would say good morning and realize it was 20 after 12 um, so I would have to correct myself I, I want to apologize to the kids because I did not I forgot to make specialized notes But we still do have the candy basket, right, Mr. Merman? All right, so we do have the candy basket. I'm just going to ask you to put one point that stands out to you from this sermon. If you write one point and show it to Mr. Merman, he will give you candy if you are 17 or under. But Rob probably deserves one because he came and collected money and he acted as one of the kids, even though I think he's 83 years old. Sing with me. Oh, come let us adore him. Oh, come let us adore him. Oh, come let us adore him, Christ the Lord. Father, we praise you. We give you honor and glory. We thank you for the weather we thank you for the promise of your soon return. We thank you for the promise of your Holy Spirit. Lord, anoint us today. And may we leave here changed, glorifying your name always. In the powerful name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. I do not envy lawmakers. I don't envy rule makers. I hate that job, and I've been on part of committees that, that put handbooks together, and it's never fun. Uh, in school handbooks also, where I came from, and this is so hard because, I, again, I know how small our world is, and you knew where I came from, and, but there was, a, there was a dark period in our handbook time where we tried to put rules together, and it's and it centered around uniform. And uniform is never fun because you always try to give a balance in in what the kids can wear. But what it came down to is, well, we have to dictate that the color of shoe that they wear reflects our uniform. So it had to be black or brown, I think it was, black or brown. It might have been gray also. And then they took one away and they said, okay, it's only black and brown. And then they were saying, well, some of the kids are wearing orange shoelaces with their brown or black shoes. I said, oh, you have to have black or brown or gray shoelaces. And Oh, and then if they have Nike or something, that little swoosh, they have pink swooshes on there. Well, no, 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 you have to have it where it totally matches its one color shoe. And it got ridiculous that they were saying, to the minutiae, it has to be this way. And finally, I think out of their growth period, and out of the wisdom of parents and, and people, it was just, is it really this deep? Is a pink swoosh on a shoe going to affect the spiritual outcome or the scholastic outcome of my child? And finally, they became more balanced. Now, I want to do something that could obviously backfire on me, but I want to hear from our kids, okay? So I've asked Ethan to come up here. I would like to hear from you kids that are in school, all right? I don't want anybody, we can go up to high school age, but I'm going to ask, what are some of the school rules that you wish you your school could get rid of. They, if you had the power to get rid of that rule, what would you like to get rid of? Do we have any any takers? I want to hear from you. This might be an only... Two, right over there, your brother. He's got one. You got you to gotta walk to them, all right? Um, no hats in the, inside the school. No hats? Inside the school. Okay, no hats inside the school. So you wish you could wear a hat inside the inside, school? Oh no, hoods, okay. So you wish that you could wear a hood inside of school. Any others? Come on, kiddos. You're totally perfect with all the rules. Wait, do we have some back there? I can't see. Are you serious? My daughter told me one earlier this week. Nothing? Hunter? No? Oh, here's another one, your brother. Oh, and then we'll okay. We'll go ahead to your brother one more time, and then we got Gloria in the back. Remove the no Heelys. Wait, what? Heely's. Like- oh, Heelys. I was like, what's a heely? So the one that has the wheel on it. All right. So you want those? All right. Yeah, that's safe. Go. <laughs> Way in the back, Gloria. No running. No running. So you wish that we could run and we had Healy. So we could run and roll all over the place. Good. All right. Do we have any others? Come on, be creative. What are what are some of the what are the things that you wish we could get rid of with the rules at school right over there? Caitlin back there. For kids to do whatever they want. (laughs) So the rule that so so there's a rule that says you can't do whatever you want? Is that actually in your handbook? But, all right, so the the new rule would be you can do whatever you want. All right. Do we got any more? All right, maybe one or two more. Right up here. If you have to pass it along, go ahead. No chewing gum. No chewing gum. You know, that one's been around for years. And, And some of these parents and grandparents even didn't like that rule all right one more do we have one more if not three two one all right probation closed the next question I have wait wait. you just stay there the next question is what rules in your school do you think are important what do you think are important for your school to have you got same place pushing no pushing okay i agree with that no pushing do you have any others so just the pushing rule that's the only one that you think is important to keep at your school all right i don't care what we learn i just don't want to be pushed all right any other rules that you think are important way in the back No yelling. No yelling. Especially when there's pushing. No pushing and yelling. All right? Got to go to the bathroom. Push you out of the way. Yeah. No bullying. No bullying. All right. No bullying. By being yelled or pushed. All right. Maybe one more. Does anybody have one more that you think this is important? I'll give you three seconds. Any takers? Three, two, one. Probation closed. Thank you, Ethan. What about do you think this is an important rule in the handbook? No weapons being brought to school? You know, stuff like that. I mean, we we got pushing and yelling, but I really don't want my classmate to have a gun in school or a knife. There are rules there for a reason, right? But there are rules that are crazy too. I want to read to you there was a there was this this school that put a collect that looked through a bunch of old laws in all the fifty states, and I'm not going to share. Even what they came up with was the craziest law of those fifty states. I'm going to share probably about ten of our states, the ones that I thought were the funniest, um, and they put crazy laws. If you ever look up online, there's I think there's dumblaws.com and stupidlaws.com, but but this is this is what their collection was. Here's Alabama's. Alabama says it is illegal to wear a fake mustache that causes laughter in church. So some legislator felt that it was important to put down that it is illegal to wear a fake mustache that makes people laugh in church. So I'm watching for all you that have mustaches. I hope they are not fake because they definitely make me laugh. Secondly, do you know in Arkansas there is a law, and I don't know if people adhere to this law, but it is illegal to mispronounce Arkansas. So, ironically, in Kansas, the river that goes through, they call the Arkansas River. So, depending on where you're at, but it's spelled the same way. Do you know in Connecticut, a pickle cannot legally be considered a pickle for sale unless it bounces. Now, it sounds funny, but I did read a little bit more on that. Um, the reason is, is because people were selling these pickles that were so old that they would just, and, you know, and so it had to bounce. You had to bounce a pickle to be able to sell it. Um, I will read you Illinois, even though, uh, yeah, but I'm saying Illinois apostrophe. So how, do, so how would I say that then? Is that right? Okay. I know it is Illinois. I never say Illinois, but Illinois apostrophe. All right? Whew. Tough crowd. All right. It is, but I don't really like it that much. But it, apparently it is legal for a minor to drink alcohol as long as they are enrolled in a culinary program. So if you joined a program when you are 18 or whatever, you can drink to your heart's desire legally even though you're under 21 um so I thought that was okay I like Georgia's Georgia says it is illegal to keep an ice cream cone in your back pocket on Sundays (laughs) like who is keeping an ice cream cone you know in their back pocket I don't care what day of the week. in Idaho, it is illegal to give your sweetheart a box of chocolates weighing more than fifty pounds. <laughs> um, in Iowa, it says one-armed pianos uh, players, one-armed piano players must by law perform for free. I think they should be paid double, but they have to perform for free. I read this what, a long time ago when I was in Kansas. And it doesn't give it exactly how it says it. And you have to read it as it says it. But it's basically a poorly worded law that says that if two trains are meet on a train track, the one cannot move unless the other one moves. Do you catch that? One cannot move unless the other one moves? Well, this one can't move unless this one moves, and this one can't move unless this one moves. It makes no sense. Do you understand that? Um, in Pennsylvania, it's illegal to tell a fortune te- to tell a fortune teller where to dig for buried treasure. They can apparently help you. Um, my kids like this one. In Ohio, it's illegal to get a fish drunk. I don't know if that happens. Um, in South Dakota, it's illegal to sleep in a cheese factory. I like this one. No, my, my wife will kill me. In Michigan, she's from Michigan, it is illegal for women to cut their own hair without their husband's permission. What's up? In Vermont, women must obtain written permission from their husbands to wear false teeth. And the last one I'll read is from West Virginia, where whistling underwater is prohibited. You cannot whistle underwater, but I'd like to see you try. Law. Laws. Some of them are ridiculous. Most of them are necessary. I want to define what dictionary.com says is law. Now, there's several things, but I took the top one. It says, law is the principles or are the principles and regulations established in a community by some authority. It doesn't say what that authority is, but some authority, and is applicable, applicable to its people, whether in the form of legislation or of custom and policies recognized and enforced by judicial decision. So whatever that authority is, whether it's assumed authority which usually like parents, I gave you birth, I am your lawmaker, or elected officials, we assume that who we elect will help make laws that will benefit us, or by just who we assume are the power players in our communities. They might not, they might not even be elected officials, but we somebody has authority enough to start telling peop- other people, this is the best way to live. Do you think that everybody agrees with that? No, nobody, nobody has everybody agreeing with that, so they don't agree with it. And guess what? In our context, laws change, don't they? I mean, it's good that laws change. It's good that if two trains end up here and nobody can move unless the other one moves, well, they, we need to reword that law. They need to change. If you look in the, under the everlasting law, so you'll have to skip, sorry, you'll have to skip one. And it says this, yet you are near, O Lord. And your commands are true. Long ago, I learned from your statutes that you established them, uh, them to last for how long? Forever. Your law is to last forever. And the next verse says this from Matthew. Even Jesus himself said, Do not think that I came to abolish the law and the prophets. I have not come to abolish them But to fulfill them, I tell you the truth, until heaven and earth pass away, not the smallest letter. And by the way, the the smallest letter, which you read in some of your King James, it says the jot or the tittle. The jot comes from the Hebrew letter, yod, which is barely a dash. It's so small, you could almost miss it. It says, not even the smallest letter or the least stroke of a pen will by any means disappear from the law until everything is accomplished. Nothing will ever go from the law. So, my question is, how have we come to the point where people within our ranks of Christianity do not respect God's law anymore? How have we come to the point where I have talked to Christians that say that law is abolished? And sometimes their euphemism for that is the law was nailed to the cross. Hence, we no longer have to keep that. We keep a higher law. According to Psalm 40, verse 8, it says this, I desire to do your will, O my God. Your law is within my heart. Now, by the way, if you understand, especially in Psalms, some in Proverbs, there is a thing called parallelism. And a lot of times what happens is they're saying the same thing in parts of the verse. So it's equating those two things. So it says, I desire to do your will. So what is your will? Your law is within my heart. So he is equating this. Your will is your law. And I want to hide your will within my heart, meaning your law. And he actually has the audacity to say this in Psalm 9, 119. Let your compassion come to me. Remember that parallelism. So compassion that I may live for your law is my what? Delight. Delight. Now, you know we have a love-hate relationship with law. You guys have love-hate relationship with law. How many of... I'm not looking for hands. How many of you find that the speed limit is more of a suggestion than a law? (laughs) Right. We all have this. We all play with the law a little bit. I know the law says don't text and drive. But many of us still hold our phones. I know, Tisk tisk tisk. Many of us still play with what we think is okay with the law. But here, according to God's law, according to his servant, is I delight to do your law. I would, wouldn't assume that somebody would say i delight to keep the laws of the land do you know anybody that says that because that's really weird but with god's law he says i want your law it makes me so happy to keep your law in my heart so let me ask you this question is law good news is law good news I got like two yeses. Is law good news? Yes. Do you? This is what baffles me. Is that we in Christianity, and I'm lumping us all together here, even though I believe we believe differently, have made it sound that the law is not good news. This is part of the reason I am so thankful to be part of this Advent movement. We believe differently. Do you understand that? We believe differently. We, hopefully, feel the same way, David, that the law is our delight. And it sort of goes... To both extremes. We've got Christians that say the law is bad, the law is bondage, we're done. And then we've got some that keep the law, not really loving it, but keeping it because they want to avoid judgment. We got that in our own ranks, okay? That don't really feel like David, that the law is something that I delight to keep. Actually, I want to show you a couple of verses, um, and they're not up there. But in Romans chapter 7, I've heard this one used on why, you know, sort of the purpose of the law. It says this. So my brothers, you also died to the law through the body of Christ, that you might belong to another, to him who was raised from the dead, in order that we might bear fruit to God. For when we were controlled by, this, by sinful nature, the sinful passions aroused by the law were at work in our bodies so that we bore fruit to death. But now by dying to what once bound us, again, implying bondage, we have been released from the law so that we serve in the new way of the spirit and the old way of the written code. What, what say we then? I'm going to add one more verse. Is the law sin? Certainly not. Indeed, I would not have known what sin was except through the law, for I would not have known what coveting really was unless the law said do not covet. The reason I added that is because we have given one purpose to the law. Protestant Christianity has said the law is just to recognize where you're messing up. And I do not agree. I do not agree that that is the sole purpose of God's law. Just to show you. Could you imagine if you had rules at home that were that way? I'm going to write our rules. Let's write on, on the wall the rules of the house home. And I'm only going to write them to show you where you screw up as a kid. Does that make sense? No. But we have said this. That is our purpose of the law, to show you where you mess up. I don't believe that. In Galatians 4 and 5, which we already went over, it it basically also says, says the same thing that, or is implied the same way, that the law is bondage. And the law is slavery, and you have been released from slavery. And that is not God's law. I don't have time to to go into the context of these places and even in Colossians 2 it it talks about sort of this law and 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 it mentions that's where we get this nailed to the cross idea from Colossians chapter 2 and do you know that there are actually scholars Hebrew scholars that believe like messianic scholars that believe that this is talking about the halakha it's not even talking about God's written law the halakha were added laws later that the Jewish people started adding and adding and adding. It means to walk. But say that it is bondage. Say God created a law that is bondage. What does that imply about God? That God is wrong, or he was God was wrong. God messed up. God made something that would harm you. And he intentionally did it. Or if he just changed his mind about the law, that God is fickle. Well, I sort of you know, I sort of messed up with this, you know, the Sabbath thing. So let's change it. Hopefully nobody really notices and we'll just put it there or or coveting or or you know maybe I was a little bit sort of vague with the adultery thing so we'll change that god is unchangeable his law is unchangeable and they are good actually in Deuteronomy 4 verse 5 and 6 it says this, see i have taught you decrees and laws as As the Lord my God commanded me, so that you may follow them in the land you are entering to take possession of it. Observe them carefully, for this will show your wisdom and understanding to the nations, who will hear about all the decrees and say, Surely this great nation is wise and understanding people. People of the nations would say, You are wise because you keep God's law. We don't see that now. We see our society saying, don't keep God's law. But there are people that are waiting. There are people that are waiting for people to rise up and say, I do keep the law of the Lord. You hear more and more of stories of Muslims that are waiting and they're saying, wait, 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 even outside of just the Decalogue, they're saying, wait, wait there are Christians that actually don't eat pork? Do you know that I have a, a colleague who grew up in a Muslim country, and he said he was pulled aside, and I might have already told he said he was pulled aside one time by an imam, uh, you know, who is sort of the leader of the mosque, and he said, hey, you're a Seventh-day Adventist? He said, yeah, I'm a Seventh-day Adventist. And, and the imam said, so you don't, you keep the laws of God, like all of them, right? As, as a child of Abraham, you do that. And he said, yeah, we, we, we try to adhere to, to everything that is scripturally, you know, laws of God. And he goes, hey, what's up with these other guys? Meaning the other Christians. Why aren't they? Because he was waiting The Muslim world is waiting for the people of the book. People that keep the law and that are willing to share it in light of the gospel. The law is good news. It is not the gospel of Jesus Christ, but it is good. Let me show you why. It says in Deuteronomy 6 verse 24, the, law, I mean, the Lord commanded us to obey all the decrees and to fear the Lord our God so that we might always prosper and be kept alive, as is the case today. Do you know the law? This is the purpose of the law, to protect you, to make you prosper. I'm assuming if you are a wise person, that is why you have your rules at home. You have rules at home, hopefully not to be a dictator, not to be oppressive, but you want your child to grow, being protected, but learn how to be a young adult and eventually an adult to prosper. From Thoughts of the Mount of Blessing, page 52, it says this, There is not a commandment of the law, that is not for the good and happiness of who? Of God? Of man. So the law is not about the happiness of God. Well, I just want them to keep my law to show that I'm in charge. No. It says that there isn't one that isn't for the good and happiness of man. Both in this life and the life to come. In obedience to God's law, man is surrounded as, a, as with a hedge and kept from the evil. He who breaks down this divinely erected barrier at one point has destroyed its power to protect him, for he has opened the way by which the enemy can enter to waste and ruin. So what he's saying is God wanted to protect. So he made a big backyard for you, but he did put a fence there so that stuff couldn't come in to destroy you. But if you decide to say, well, I don't really like that part of the fence, and tch, 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 and you tear that down, yeah, maybe you can go outside now. But guess what? Somebody can come in now. You know, I'll tell you, and I might have a- already told you this before, it, Anna and I have s- multiple times had this conversation about how sad we are that our kids are not growing up the same way we did. When I was a child, Madison's age, I could get on my bike, and I could ride miles to my friend's house, and if it was summer vacation, I could stay there till six or seven o'clock at night, and maybe my mom would say, could you just call at lunchtime? If, you, if, if they don't invite you to lunch, you come home, all right? But I didn't have to check in. I definitely didn't have to be seen by my parents. I could bike all over. My friends and I would bike. You know, there would be two of us. We'd bike all over the town. I mean, we'd bike, you know, 20 miles in a day. Just all over. But now, as is, I don't want my kid out in the front yard without an eye on him or her. Do you, you have seen that, right? You know that that's the, the reality we're in. Actually, I have a friend from high school that right down her street, and it was in the news, so she forwarded me the video of, the, of this news. This was probably about six years ago, where there was a couple, a married couple, that were working on the hedges by their house. And their kid was playing near the street on a not busy road. It was in a neighborhood. And this car pulls up, And the one person in the passenger side reaches out, grabs the child while the parents are outside. Grabs the child, takes off. Luckily, the the dad saw this happening. So he takes off also, catches up, grabs the the kid's legs. And so they're driving and he's running along like this. And finally, they must have said, We don't need this heat. Let's go. And they leave. We are in a different age. But here, God says, I want to protect you. Just like you kids, hopefully you realize your parents want to protect you. They have rules because they want to protect you. In James 1.25, it says this, but the man who looks intently into the perfect law that gives bondage, right? Is that what it says? That gives freedom and continues to do this, not forgetting what he has heard, but doing it, he will be blessed in what he does. Because the law actually gives you freedom. If you are within those boundaries of the law, you feel free. But some people look outside and they say, no, I, I'm not quite free. I'm not free to do whatever I want. And that was sort of the lie of the enemy. And in James 2, it says, A speak and act as those who are going to be judged by the law that gives freedom. Now, here's the issue. Here's the center point. Do you trust the authority? Do you trust God? But do you really trust God? You know, I know on pulpits, we don't like to talk about this that often. Um, For example, tithing. Because some people think, well, now it's become, church has become business, whatever. But all I know for my personal life is the Lord has said, you return your tenth. And you trust that I will take care of you. Is that right? You trust that I will take care of you. I'm going to speak from the church that I came from. Because luckily we had the mass of people that helped run our budgets and stuff. But I know at one point we did the survey on, on the 800 plus giving unit families. And they found out that probably about 14 to 16% We're giving a regular tithe. Less than 20% were giving a regular... And do you know what they gauged the regular tithe was? Because, you know, we weren't looking into people's incomes. It's anybody who's giving $2,500 or more. So what's that? $2,500 is a tenth of what? $25,000. So we're saying if you make an income of $25,000, which most... Families there were making more than twenty five thousand. So if we're saying if you give twenty five hundred or more, you're considered one of the the giving unit families, and less than twenty percent were returning a regular tithe. And that's not a judgment call on me to make, but I do wonder. I do believe that tithe is a trust issue because God is saying if you just give. This little portion back. Now you have to trust me that much more. In all of God's law, all of God's Torah is about trust. Do you trust God? By the way, I just have to get, say this, and I'm sorry. I'm you know, but the word Torah. Do you guys know the word Torah? You've heard of Torah, right? Which is translated law. The word Torah is a word that is believed to come from the word yara. Can you say yara? Yara. Now, yara, in one of the, the word uses of yara, which is yore, means to rain. It means to, to bless with rain. And I wonder if our perspective of God trying to inhibit is total opposite of what God intended. You know the song we have, The Showers of Blessing? God is saying, I want to pour upon you blessings. And we see it as, you want to inhibit my life. You want to restrict me. But the word in itself is, I want to bless you. I want to bless you. So what is the essence of the law? I'm not going to read this. You know this. There was a lawyer that that had talked to, To Jesus and he says uh, so what is what is the greatest commandment and the first and greatest commandment is what? Love your god with everything that you have And he says but the second is just like it it's equal And you you do what? Love your neighbor and all the commands and decrees hang on these two commandments They all hang here What is the What is the central word there? Love. Love is the essence. 1 John, this is the one that we read earlier, chapter 5, this is how we know that that we love the children of God, by loving God and carrying out his commandments. This is love for God, to obey his commands. And his commands, again, are the opposite of bondage. They aren't burdensome. They actually should make you feel free. So God has one theme within his love or within his law. It's love. Now, if you remember, we are wrapping this up. If you remember in my explanation in my head of what the gospel is, was that everybody is broken. Remember, off of Revelation one four, it says, and he will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and there will be no more death, sorrow, crying, pain. That's what God wants to get rid of, right? Death, sorrow, crying, pain. But guess what? Everybody experiences death, sorrow, crying, pain. So everybody is broken. That's part one. Now, all of us cope. Part two is all of us numb our pain. Whether it's with chemicals, whether it's with what we look at online, whether it's through media, whether it's through shopping or food or whatever our coping mechanism is, we all deal with our broken, brokenness that way. But the gospel is, Jesus became broken. And he who knew no he made him who knew no sin to become sin, to be broken so that we can be healed. By his stripes... We are healed. That is gospel. So where does, in my head, where does the law fit in? One thing, to minimize brokenness. God knows you will be broken. There is somebody who will put you down. There is somebody that will abuse you. There is something, there, this will happen to you. But God says, I want to minimize your brokenness. So please do not cheat on your spouse. Because if you do, you will exponentially change the brokenness factor with your spouse, with your kids, with that person you cheated with. Please, I want to minimize your brokenness. Do you see it all in the broken theme? We're broken. We numb our brokenness. Jesus actually took on our brokenness. But God still says, I want to protect you from getting more broken. This is the gospel of law. Do you know what OSHA is? How many of you know what OSHA is? All right. And, and some of you have this love-hate relationship with OSHA also. I just hate? Some, yeah, there is. You know, actually, on that point, and as the music team gets ready to come up, on that point, I have a older friend, a retired friend, who said that, that natural selection should be able to take its course with some of these unwise people by getting rid of things like OSHA and uh, some of these rules. But, but OSHA, I, I will say, I believe OSHA originally was set for some good purposes. Because back in the early 20th century, We know that there were projects that people were being put on that was at risk of health. That they were, you know, especially during World War II, some of the tasks that these housewives that were pregnant were being put on with the chemicals that they were surrounded with were bad. So the government said, we cannot allow that somebody is put in this position. God's law, even unlike Osha, I believe even that much more is to protect his children. And people are waiting for a people to say, I believe that God's law is gospel. It is good news.